How many are blessed and highly favored this morning? Anybody blessed and highly favored? Amen. Anybody determined to be a blessing? Amen. Well, Thanksgiving is a wonderful time, and it's a, become a secular holiday for a lot of folks. It's just time off from work, and it's time to get, uh, get ready for the holiday season. But I want to tell you, for the church, it's totally different. For the church, Thanksgiving is a meaningful holiday. It uh, actually was begun by some uh, Puritans and some pilgrims that came to this country years and years ago. And uh, they designated a day that they would give thanks unto the Lord. And somehow that has just carried on till the day we're living in now. And uh, for church people to be thankful, that ought to be as common and as easy as anything that we do. Because church people should be the most knowledgeable about thanksgiving and thanks living. That we are told in the Word of God that we're supposed to enter into His courts. Mm, how did you come to church? It's very important how you came to church. Because how you came to church will determine a lot about how you'll leave church. And how you came to church will determine a lot about what happens during church. And where you stand oftentimes determines what you see. Amen. If you're in good standing with God, you'll see some good things in church. The Bible said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. 2 Corinthians 4.15, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Colossians 2 and 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Boy, there's so many verses. The Bible is just replete with uh, references to thanksgiving and how we ought to have an attitude of gratitude and how we ought to really thank God for His saving grace and thank God for His keeping and sustaining ability in our lives. The power of God. We should praise God for the power of God. We should praise God for faithful people that have served the Lord all this many years. Thank God for a building like this to worship the Lord in. Thank God for the health and strength to get here. Thank God for putting a vehicle in our possession so we could come to God's house. There's just an endless stream of which you could say, thank you God for. Hey Amen. There's just all kind of a multiplicity of things that you can thank Him for. We're going to talk about the 73rd Psalm today. If you want to find it in your Bibles, they'll put it on the screen in just a minute. The 73rd Psalm is a first of 11 consecutive psalms that are written by a man we know to be Asaph. All in the world the Bible tells us about Asaph is he was a recorder. <laughs> Asaph the recorder. Asaph the recorder was also Asaph the musician. And he was Asaph, Asaph the songwriter. In fact, if you were to uh, see his name on the charts today, they would, uh, it wouldn't surprise you because Asaph was a very popular uh, person. In fact, in the Bible, Second Chronicles 29 and 30, the Bible said the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So that tells us that he was in a category with 
David that he was mentioned with David when you talk about the songs that he wrote. Well, I'll tell you, that's pretty good company because David is called the sweet singer of Israel. And he's called the, the king of Israel. The king who is probably the most popular of all the kings is King David. If I were to ask you, who would you say was the king of Israel? 90% uh, of you would say David. But David was also a singer. And uh, he was also a person that, that composed psalms and put them into the word of God. And the Bible says in Nehemiah 12 and 46, David and Asaph are mentioned together as distinct from the chief of the singers. Thus it would seem that they are joint authors of the 12 psalms that are ascribed to them. Nehemiah says, For in the days of David and Asaph of old there were chief of singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. But when you get to the 73rd psalm, you find a person that is very perplexed by what has happened to him in life. Anybody ever had a blow in life that kind of knocked the wind out of you? Anybody ever had a thing happen in life that you didn't see coming and it just left you totally bewildered and frustrated and just had few answers for all the questions that were in your mind? Can you remember times in your life when you wondered which way to go and how to go and how it was going to come out and was it worth it at all to try? Have you ever had those times when your faith was tested? Well, the Bible tells us that the trial of our faith, though it be tried by fire, might be found as unto a praise, as unto God. That Job said, a man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. So life is comprised of many incidents. There are happy things that happen. There are sad things that happen. There are beneficial things. There's injurious things. There's everything in the world that happens in a lifetime. But the Bible says, in all things, in all things, we are made to be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. What a blessing that is to know that not through all things, but in all things. Not after you come through it, but in it. While you're in the throes of a difficulty, you are a conqueror. In the middle of a struggle, you're the winner. In the middle of a difficulty, you're the overcomer. And God has already fixed that. He said, in all things. Somebody say all things. In all things, we are made to be more than conquerors through Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. But every one of us have already said there have been times that were tough in our life, so there have been times when we were despondent. There have been times when we were disappointed. There have been times where we just were overwhelmed by what was going on around us. As a pastor, I've stood by many, many people over the last few years that are, are, were desperate, people going through unbearable things, the toughest things that life can throw against you. But this psalm is about Asaph, and he had a real peculiar problem. He was looking at everybody else and comparing himself to everybody else. He got into a situation where he had what I call slippery feet. He said, my feet almost slipped. 
The message, uh, rendering of that verse says, I almost lost my foothold. I almost lost my foothold. I almost, in other words, fell. What would lead him to an occasion of doubt and frustration and lukewarmness like that? That he would say, I, I don't know about serving God. I don't know about living for God. I, I don't really know if, if I've made the right decision to follow him. But I want to tell you, Thanksgiving is the polar opposite of that attitude. Let's see what Asaph had to say about it. He said, this is a psalm of Asaph. He said, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. God is good to Israel. There are a lot of people that are going through tough times, but they'll tell you God is good. There are a lot of people that are, are going through a, a hardship and going through a really, really difficult, hard a sorrowful time, but they'll say, but God is near. God is near to people who are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Yes, there are people that are going through things, but God sticks by us and God stands by us. What's Asaph doing? He's reminding himself of all the things he learned. It's important that you learn things so that when you get in a situation like this, you can quote those things that you have learned. Not that they really are the truth coming out of your mouth, but you're at least repeating things that you've heard over and over. I could start a verse and most of you'd pick it up and finish it. Amen. There are verses that I, I quote regularly and often, and uh, you would finish that verse because you have learned by my repetition that that is a a Bible verse you need to know. But as for me, the second verse, well, what's he doing now? He's saying, that's not me. God is good, and God is near to people that are of a clean heart, but, but as for me. He's saying, I'm not in that number that says God is near. I'm not in that number that says God is good. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. Well, we can say for a certainty there was a lack of faith or there was doubt or failing to trust that is at the root of all despondency. Whether it comes from unbelief, as it's just for us to realize it's the human experience. We all have to at some time deal with despondency. We all have to at some time suffer loss. But I want to tell you, the Bible says there is no temptation that is known to man but what Jesus has already went that way and suffered that same thing and assures you that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There are people that look at other people who are in dilemma and say, I, I just couldn't do that. I, I, I just couldn't make it through that. Yes, you can. Well, I don't see how I can. Well, not, I'm not talking about whether you can see it or not. I'm talking about whether you can or not. You can get through hard things. You can get through difficult things. You can get through things that hurt and things that are, are injurious and a sorrow like you've never felt before. But you can get through it. Amen. Because God's Word says you can.
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he says, but as for me, and then he tells us what his problem was. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now I'm told, he says, everybody that it serves, it pays to serve the Lord. It serves to pay the Lord too. But it pays to serve the Lord. He said, I, I, I have a problem with that because people that I know that aren't faith people, they don't believe in God, they're agnostic and they're, they're atheistic, but it seems like they do get along quite well. Now here's his problem. His problem is looking at other people and comparing himself to others. That's a big trap the devil will catch you in if you're not very careful and to think that God blesses somebody else more than you do, that God loves somebody else more than you, that God would do something for someone else that he won't do for you. You're, you're right in saying, yes, God can do that for me. Yes. He not only can do it, but he can do it for me. That's where the problem comes, Cindy. Most of the time, folks will say, oh, I know God can do anything. Then you say, but can God do that for you? Well, now that's, that's different, Pastor. That's different. You see, real faith lived out is when you believe that God can do something and that he can do it for you. You see, he that cometh unto God, the Bible said, must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Yes, there are times when hardship and difficulty come into your life. But that's the time that you need to say, because God is who he is, I can be who I should be. Because God is omnipotent in power. And because God is omniscient in wisdom, that he'll give me the right advice and the right counsel to walk the right path and do and say the right things. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Why is that, Pastor? It's because he's already determined that you're more than a conqueror through those things. He said, I was envious at the foolish. Now, he did wrong when he said this. He said, I wanted to be them. I was envious of who they were and what they had. I wanted to be them. Wow. You see, in this comparison game, uh, you, you need to understand that it has far-reaching repercussions. And by saying you're envious of somebody, it means you want what they've got. When the Bible said not to covet and not to be envious, it really meant that. That we shouldn't be feel bad at God because somebody got something I didn't have. But the Bible said the right attitude is to rejoice with everybody when they get blessed of God. Amen. Thank God you got that new car, Michelle. That's wonderful. That's fantastic. Praise God. I'm so glad for you. Now, that's a whole lot better attitude than, God, I'd like to know why you don't love me as much as you love Michelle. Why won't you do for me what you do for Michelle? You see, that comparison game is just, it gets you in a mess. 
You won't think right when you are on that trail of that comparison stuff. I was envious at the foolish. Well, now he's saying that people are foolish. He's all messed up. Asaph is, he'll get it right here in a minute though. I was envious at the foolish. Who is the foolish? The Bible said the fool had said in his heart there is no God. Foolishness is all about a no God attitude. Amen. To act foolishly is to act in an ungodly way. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Foolish, when the Bible called people a fool that don't know God and that would call, say there is no God. To our language, that's atheistic. Now there's difference in atheism and agnosticism. Agnosticism know the faith, they just don't want to do it. Atheists don't believe there's a God. Amen. That's why they that come to God must believe that He is. First thing you got to do is say, there is a God in heaven. That God is on His throne. That God is real. That God is a very present help in time of need. That He's with me. He's for me. He's not against me. He's by my side. He cares about me. He loves me. He said it was foolish to think there is no God. But when I saw those people prospering and me struggling, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. He's saying they don't seem to ever have anything hard in their life. They don't seem to have to have to struggle to have anything. It just money hunts them down, in other words. He said, it seems like everything's better. And he said, they made a necklace out of pride and arrogance. Wow. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could ever wish for. Now, brother, if we was going to get our wishes and we were going to get our wants, this house wouldn't hold them all. But it seemed to Asaph that they got whatever they wanted. Now that's an exaggeration, isn't it? It really is. To get whatever you want, to become so proud and arrogant, as to say, there is no God, but at the same time say, I got all this by myself. I used my ingenuity, I used my intelligence, I used my intuition, I used my ability to, to get and do and perform, so all that I've got are because I have worked my way into that. That's called works righteousness. That's because I did this, God, and you're obligated now to do that for me. You know, a lot of people try to make deals with God, don't they? A lot of people like to say, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. And that's getting the cart before the horse. Psalm fifty fourteen says, Offer thanks unto God. Be thankful to God. Live in a thanksgiving way. 
live in a way that blesses and honors and glorifies the name of the Lord. Give thanks unto God and pay thy vows unto the Most High. What does that mean? Join your charity and join your giving and your worship with a clean heart. Offer thanks to God and pay your vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. What does it say up there? She's got it on the screen. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee. And thou shalt glorify me. Praise God. David said, this poor man cried unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. Wow. That's why we're more than conquerors in all things. Listen to how he finished talking about people who say there is no God, but it seems like they've got everything else they want. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish, but they're corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily, and they set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walk up through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Well, I want to answer that question for them. Yes, God does know. Because the Bible said the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the earth, beholding all things. And the Bible said, and all things are naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. What that is saying to us is nothing occurs to him. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to him? Wow. He never forgets. He's always faithful. He's always attentive. He's always knowing. Always knowing. In fact, the Bible talks about Jesus when the adversaries would come to trick him and seduce him. The Bible said, but Jesus knowing their hearts. What that tells us is that when we come to the Lord to pray about our troubles, He already knows before we get there. He already knows about the difficulty. He already knows about what's going on. He knows what people said about you. He knows it wasn't true. He knows it was slanderous. He knew, knows it was Un, untrue because he is an all-knowing God and he knows all about us he knows all about what's going on in this country he knows all about what's going on on your job he knows all that's going on in your marriage he knows everything that's going on in your business there is nothing that is hidden the Bible said from him nothing so praise God so these folks are saying, does God know? Is there any kind of knowledge of God in heaven? The answer is, oh, you're too weak. I said, the answer is, 
Yes, God knows. And God sees. And God understands. The whole reason for Jesus coming to the world is to become one of us so that He could, the Bible said, He could be a, a, a provider for them that are going through difficult times. He would succor them that are bruised. Amen. He lived every experience. He went to the cross and bore every sorrow. Does God know? Is there anything in heaven? Is there knowledge in heaven for God? Behold, these are ungodly who prosper in the world, and they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. I have followed the Lord in vain. I've trusted the Lord in vain. I have believed His word in vain. Brother, that's a terrible condition to get in, isn't it? Isn't it terrible that a believer who writes great songs that eventually become Scripture would get in a situation that he would say, I believed in vain. I made a mistake when I thought that God could take care of every situation and take care of every care. Have I believed in vain? Have I washed my hands in innocency? For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Now he's talking about a situation where he is being disciplined for some reason. I don't know he doesn't go into that. I just know that the Bible said, despise not the chastening of the Lord. The Bible just simply says that whom the Lord loveth, he chastises. And I'm glad he does. He could just leave me alone in my error and I would just go on in ignorance and foolishness. But the Lord chastens me so that I can learn and know to do better and serve Him better. So he makes this statement, Every day, all day long, I am plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Marie, what he's saying is, I was embarrassed. It was so painful for me, I was embarrassed about it. It was such a, a dagger in my heart. It was such a hurtful, injurious thing that I was embarrassed about it. The condition of despondency is best defined of when my heart and my flesh are failing. That means to come to an end, to run out, exhausted of resources. In other words, it would be a crisis. A crisis happens when all your coping mechanisms don't work anymore. A crisis comes when you just don't seem to be able to handle what is happening. It's a crisis. Where do I go? Oh, where do I go seeking for a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to save me in the end? Where could I go but to the Lord? Praise God. 
When your heart is overwhelmed, David said in Psalm 65, when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me. Thou art my shield and thou art my high tower. When I don't feel like I know what to do and I feel like I have no way out and I've exhausted all means, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to Jesus. Take it to God. Psalm 73 contains this truth. My flesh and my heart are failing. I'm discouraged and I'm despondent. I'm at my wit's end. But then comes the counterattack. Somebody say counterattack. Counterattack is that next verse. It says, but God. How many times have we said, but God? How many times have we described a difficult situation and then come up with, but God? How many times have we talked about how bad it is and then said, but God? But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love, wherewith he loved us, even while we are dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ and raised us up together with Christ and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God, lost and undone, but God, depraved, without strength, alienated from the covenant of promise, stranger, but God, but God, overwhelmed, but God, despondent, but God, desperate, but God. Ever been there? I've told you so many times, when God becomes all you've got, when God becomes all you've got, God will be all you need. He'll be all that you need. The Bible says in Psalm 19 and 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What does that mean? When my soul needs to turn another direction, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, redirecting my soul. You ever need some redirection? You ever talk to your soul? David said, Oh, my soul, why art thou so disquieted within me? Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever had that feeling, that flying away feeling? That if I could just get away, if I could just get away, if I could just end this night and day stuff that's going on, if I could just end that, if I could just flap my wings like the snowbird and just, oh, spread your tiny wings and fly away. I heard that somewhere, I knew. Don't you wish sometimes you could just flap your wings sometimes, just rise above it and leave it all? Well, I want to tell you, he then says to his soul, he says, hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. 
when you feel like running away, soul, hope thou in God. I said unto my soul, soul, hope thou in God. Hope is the one thing that will change all of that situation. And when he got to a place where he thought he couldn't recover, verse 17 says, and then I went to the sanctuary of God. I was miserable. I was wretched. I was despondent. But then I went to church. Have you ever come to church in that kind of condition? Have you ever been, have you said, God, God, if I don't get a touch this morning, God, if I don't get a touch in this revival, God, if I don't get an answer in, in, this, in this meeting today, I wonder if someone came to this meeting like that this morning, saying, God, I've got to have a touch this morning. I've got to have a breakthrough this morning. I've got to have an answer to prayer this morning. I was so disquieted. I was, I was so miserable. I was so desperate until I went to the sanctuary of God and then I understood. I call it the light came on. Then the light came on. I was making all those statements while I was in the dark and I was lashing out and I was all messed up in my thinking, but then the light came on. The light came on. You ever had the light come on? You ever had God to open up the sunshine on your, your soul and you was backed off in that dark corner thinking you was hid and suddenly the Lord shined that light back there and said, come out of there? Oh, he said, I went to the house of the Lord and I understood what the difference in me and them is. When I went to God's house, he said, I understood what their end was. I, I figured out what happens to people that don't know God. They may be prosperous and they may be intelligent and they may have things and they may have a substance, but their end it's so bad that you don't want to live like that. Jesus said it's better to go to heaven with an arm cut off or an eye put out than to miss heaven. Lord, in fact, the Bible said, what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Brother, when you lose your soul, you've lost it all. You've lost heaven. You've lost Jesus. You've lost grace. You've lost hope when you lose your soul. What would it profit a man if he, he had all houses in all of Aniston? What would it profit a man if he owned every car on every car lot in Aniston? What would it profit a man if he had every dime of every dollar that was deposited in every bank in Aniston? What would it profit you if you lose your soul? And he said, when I went to God's house, I found out what the end is going to be. And he said, the end for me is going to be joy and bliss and the pleasure of the Lord and the presence of God. The end for me is going to be life eternal. Life for me is going to be so wonderful in God's heaven. And I'm going to have a brand new body like his own glorious body. 
I'm going to live forever with Jesus. That's my end. And said, compared to the end of somebody that don't know Jesus, I'm a winner, not a loser. I'm above, not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. Let's just look at, at Jesus for a few minutes. The Bible said in verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go yonder and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even unto death. Now what's going on here? Why is Jesus so distressed and troubled and sorrowful? Verse 27 of John 12 says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come into the world for this hour. Why would I want God to take something away that He sent me into the world to do? I think sometimes Satan will fire volley after volley at our mind. I believe that's what was going on when Jesus was in the garden. I believe Satan was trying every trick he knew, everything he could say to dissuade Jesus from doing what God told him to do. No doubt Satan told him, Calvary's just a black hole. You've never hurt like nothing ever hurt any human being before. And are these people worth you dying for? No doubt the devil told him and tormented him. You see, the devil wanted to produce a spirit of despondency so deep and so hurtful that Jesus would resign the purpose. You remember in John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. How do you handle those times like that? Handle him like Jesus did. Number one, he chose some of his close friends. He chose Peter, James, and John. And he said, watch with me and pray with me. Go through this with me. I want to tell you, there's nothing like a friend that is a real friend. A friend that will tell you the truth when you'd rather hear a lie. The Bible said, iron sharpeneth iron, but faithful, faithful is the face of a friend. I'm talking about a real friend. When you go through hard times, you need to have friends around you that will pray with you and help you get through it. Second thing, the Bible said he opened his mouth, opened up his soul to them.
Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Can you imagine their jaw dropping when the King of kings and Lord of lords said, My heart is sorrowful. And he opened up to them and was truthful to them. There sometimes needs to be a genuineness. And people that love you and people that care about you want to hear the real you. Not tell a story, but tell the truth. Third thing, the Bible said he asked them for help in spiritual warfare. He said, will you fight the devil with me? Will you help me fight the devil? Fourth thing he did, he poured out his heart to the Father. In verse 39, he said, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. It's okay to pray for God to remove the bomb that just dropped on your heart. It's okay. Jesus said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But he said, but if not, nevertheless, thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Ephesians 1 and 22 and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Romans 8, 37, nay, and all of these things were more than conquerors. But finally he did this. He rested his soul in the sovereign wisdom of Almighty God. Second half of verse 39 says, Not as I will, but as thou wilt. Have you ever just said, God, have your way? Have you ever said, God, I'm going to take my hands off of this. I'm going to stop all this anxiety. I'm going to stop all this fear. And I'm going to stop all this nervousness. And I'm just going to give it to you. Not mine, but yours. Not my will, your will. Have you ever done that? Are you sure you've done that? Aren't you tired of carrying that load? And aren't you tired of sleeping every night with that, that feeling? Aren't you tired of going to work of a morning and, and that on your mind, on your heart? Well, I want to tell you, there's something you can do with it. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Yes, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you'll trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Glory to God. Don't you take your burden home with you this morning. You hear this preacher, don't take your burden home with you today. The Bible said, cast all of your care upon Him because He cares about you. Our great God cares about you. He cares about you so much that He died for you. And if you had been the only sinner in the world, Jesus would have come to this earth and died just for you. Wow. So then while you're thankful this holiday season, don't forget 
to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that I'm saved by grace. Thank you, God, that I've got a home in heaven. Thank you that my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you that my sins are under the blood, washed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that my record is clear, my record is clean. Thank you, God, that I can die today knowing that I know in whom I have believed and that he is able to keep what I've committed to him. Amen. Stand with me, please, all over this house. Well, I tell you, don't touch, and I tell you not to hug next, but if you feel comfortable taking the hand of the person beside you, if you don't feel comfortable, don't do it, but if you feel comfortable... There's somebody that goes with you all the way. There's somebody that stands by you when everybody else walks out. There's somebody that cares about you when everybody else says, leave her alone, leave him alone. God loves you too much to leave you alone. He really does. And greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for a friend. God, I thank you this morning for the opportunity of prayer. I thank you, oh God, for friends. Thank you for believers. Thank you for people that will help us and pray with us and fight the spiritual warfare with us. Thank you for people, God, that will pray fervent prayers and intercede for us. Thank you, God, for all the good things that you do in our life. And help us, God, to come into your presence with thankfulness and God, let us come before you with singing and with gratefulness in our heart. And help us to know that this is the victory that overcomes the world. It is our faith. It is our faith. And we believe you and we trust you this morning, God. You're the author. You're the finisher of our faith. And we're looking to you, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for all you do for us. Bless everyone in this house right now who is praying this prayer and grant them, O oh Lord, your presence and your power in their life to deliver them, set them free, and give them grace to live another day for Jesus. We pray that prayer in dismissal today in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, God. Give God some good praise this morning. That's right. Just give him about 30 seconds of the best you got. Give him some of the best praise you got. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Blessed be our God. Hallelujah. Amen.